The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Monday, May 11th. We are rolling right along. The draft is now pretty deep in the rearview mirror. The schedule is up. We know the NFL schedule. Uh, we have a full breakdown uh, of it on Friday's show in sit reaction, and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into it on today's show, including looking at week one lines and answering some of your mailbag questions. If you would like to get a mailbag question answered in the future, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast, and uh, we will answer whatever question you have. You can also join our Facebook group if you want to do that. Uh, a lot of great shows last week. Chris Long, uh, was on as well. It was an entertaining as hell show. I got a bunch of tweets and text about it saying what a good show it was. So go check that out. Let's get, uh, this week will be gambling week on the podcast. Each day we'll go over two divisions and look at win totals, division odds, and Super Bowl futures. Uh, RJ White, that's who we had last week too. If you want to go, uh, get a heads up on like maybe some good value for award bets, go check out RJ White on last week's podcast. Let's get to, oh, and by the way, CBS Sports HQ all this week, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Make sure, if you haven't seen the Pick 6 podcast show, do it. And you can watch us on Pluto TV. If you already have the CBS Sports app, of course, fire that up for HQ. But you should be checking out Pluto TV. It is a, as the kids say, dope app. You can, uh, it comes with a guide that you can, uh, don't give me that face, Sean. It comes with a, uh, a guide, has a bunch of, it's all free. They have like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles channel, tons of movies on demand, bunch of, you can watch, go watch American Gladiators channel. Uh, it is, it is good stuff. And of course, CBS Sports HQ is on there now. Let's get to some week one odds and to break it down, the NFL super friends joining me, Ryan Wilson, Sean Wagner McGuff, and John Breach, the scheduling savant himself. Um, Ryan Wilson, what do you, how do you feel? Sum up in one word, John Breach's, well, not one word, just how do you feel in general about John Breach's decision to walk around his house, uh, shirtless, but with a jacket on top? So he's wearing his, um, Miami University zip up sweatshirt. And, you know, he wears it sometimes on the show. And I was actually thinking, I don't know why this popped in my head. So it makes perfect sense that he's not wearing a shirt right now. But I just said, John, are you wearing a shirt underneath that thing? And of course the answer is no. I think he's one of these people who walks around the house, Probably in his just underwear. And like Rachel's wife is like, whatever. I didn't know this until it was too late. I was already in love, madly in love with John. So I didn't have a choice. Just, just for clarification, do you mean like he's changing and he's walking no, no, no. his underwear or like 20? Do people do that? Well, one does. We just identified it. On Friday's show, we would also like an explanation from you on Friday's, uh, Thursday, excuse me, Thursday's pick six podcast schedule preview show. You showed up in a blue button-up matching Danny Cannell. And then for the 11 p.m. show, you showed up in a, in a, in a burgundy button-up matching Brian McFadden, which was A, weird that you changed shirts, and B, creepy that you managed to figure out who the guest, what the guest would be wearing. Right, multiple explanations. Number one for that one, Brinson, they sent a memo to the A-list talent to wear a certain color, so that is why you didn't get it. 
Uh, number two, I'm in day 55 of quarantine. I'm not doing laundry. I'm going to wear whatever I want. Number three, is it weirder that I'm not wearing a shirt or that Wilson was wondering if I wasn't wearing a shirt? I mean, come on. That's a little creepy that my colleague over here is wondering what I'm wearing underneath my zip-up hoodie. And I will say that we are doing uh, HQ video immediately following this. So this allows me to change quickly uh, just by pulling the zip-up jacket off and putting a different shirt on. Real quick, there's one fault with your logic, which is that we discovered you do this Miami of Ohio sweatshirt with no shirt underneath during the NFL season, before quarantine, and before we had an HQ show immediately after. So you've that been doing is, this for a while. That is a uh, that is a great point, Sean. Uh, some people would even say that that is a uh, dunking. Whoa! Oh! What a big jam! Wallace took it away. So Ryan wonders what I wear, and Sean keeps track of my wardrobe. This is no, the no, creepiest no. podcast I've ever been on in my life. I'm I'm with them. I wasn't even wondering if you had a shirt on underneath. I was assuming you didn't have a shirt on underneath. Also, uh, it makes it easy for the, the cleanup when he goes on those serial killing sprees. He's not wearing a and, shirt. Okay, but th- you know, here's the other question. Like, What is the logic in not having – like, you're like, I can easily change into a, a shirt. Like, why wouldn't you just have the shirt on and then I, just wear the he, shirt? I think he just doesn't like wearing clothes, and, and that's fine. It's his own house. Do you walk around the house with no shirt on, John? No, I don't do that. Oh, okay. Is this you walk like, around in just that hoodie? Sometimes. Are you Donald Ducking right now? <laughs> that's a yes. I, I am not Donald Ducking. <laughs> um, Only because my mother-in-law has been here all week. So. That's why <laughs> no. No, Donald Ducking. Is this like the upper torso version of free balling? Where you're like, you're like, you feel free because you're like, you're like walking around the house and like everybody thinks you've got a shirt on, but everybody knows you don't. It's like. Do you think Breach cuts his grass with a shirt on? Cause I could definitely see that. Do you run with a shirt on? I, I want to know how many years you've had that sweatshirt too. It's been, it's, it's a while. It's probably eight to 10 years old at least. And I, I run with a shirt on and mow my lawn with a shirt on. Hmm. Uh, because I am not that guy. This I'm okay. in the comforts of my own home, just trying to be comfortable. Is that a problem? I, I have no issue with that. It's just I I, I like learning why. When we, when we imagine go, when we go on walks, like or on the greenway, if somebody comes biking by or jogging by, like shirtless, Robbie starts cackling, and as they get closer, he goes, "He's running in his underwear." <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Real quick, I was also going to add, if Breach has that sweatshirt, has had that sweatshirt for 10 years and has been wearing it without a shirt for all 10 years, imagine how gross that sweatshirt is. I'm sure he washes it, Sean. I own, uh, I don't live in a studio apartment, Sean. I don't have to walk to go wash my clothes. I have a washer and dryer here. I can wash it once a week. Oh, yeah. Also, another, another, another fault in your logic. You're like, I don't have time for laundry. I'm in quarantine. Then why are you wearing three shirts in one day? <laughs> Like maybe wear one shirt and limit the number of clothes you have to wash. No, then you, you don't have to wash them if you wear three shirts in one day. Because if you only wear one every day, that it gets dirtier. Okay. <laughs> Learning a lot about breach today. That's yeah. some galaxy brain stuff right there. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, that, that was such a crazy explanation that you can't even respond to it because it <laughs> makes a little sense. So like, so you're like micro dosing your shirts. Right. There you go. Like a- each day, it's like, it's like if I only wear this for like an hour, like it won't get dirty. And then you hang it up. Like, it's the. It's the- the Kramer version of the 10-minute nap, so you take like 50 of them during the day. The 10-minute nap is what all our gonna, listeners are going to take when they listen to the first 10 minutes of this podcast, wondering why we're talking about my clothing choices. My goodness. Your wife is going to gone girl you if she finds out about this whole situation. <laughs> She's like, I mean, I'm just married to a serial killer, and he does this weird stuff with his clothes. Let's get to the bets. Uh, <laughs> week one odds. <laughs> Smooth segue. Um, so we're going to start out and give uh, – Two best bets each. We're not going to re- go through the schedule one by one by one, like with, in terms of week one. Uh, but we will cover a lot of these games because, you know, to pull back the curtain, we're not going to, you know, pick the same best bets. We're not, we're not morons. Uh, so Ryan Wilson, we'll start with you. You can do one and tell us why you like it. And, uh, then we'll move on to the next game. What, uh, what's your number one best bet against the spread? These odds are courtesy of William Hill, our partners up there in Jersey and out in Vegas. You can find them on williamhill.us. You can go wager on their online app or in their casinos when, once, whenever casinos open back up. Uh, Wilson, what's your, uh, what's your best, best bet here? Monday night football, Steelers at the Giants, Steelers minus four, Steelers not only cover. Well, they win if they cover, obviously. So they, they, <laughs> but they win. <laughs> I was doing the math as I was looking down at the line. Yeah, minus four, they win that football game um, by more than four points. 
I feel pretty good about it. Again, uh, it's contingent on Big Ben, his arm working. Bruce Arians actually said recently that he thinks that uh, Ben's arm was hurting him uh, beyond prior to the 2019 uh, injury in week two, uh, maybe the, the previous year. So maybe he's he's uh, new and improved and finds the fountain of youth and all that other stuff. So I like the Steelers' chances. I think they're offensively going to be much better than last year, clearly. But I think defensively they're still going to be a pretty good team, uh, even though Sean will note uh, the advanced metrics nerds will tell you that usually really good defenses regress a little bit. Uh, on the other side, what are we going to get from Danny Dimes? And, and that's the question. Their offensive line will hopefully be better with Andrew Thomas, but how much better in week one? especially if there's no chance for all these uh, players to work out together. So I think the Steelers are better prepared to come in and make a splash in week one. Um, are you uh, – just to push back on this, I, I don't – I think I'm more confident that Danny Dimes is going to take a step forward than I am confident that Ben Roethlisberger will be healthy and ready to go in week one. Like, as Breach pointed out in the show, I mean, this guy's getting – or I think it was Breach. I mean, somebody pointed out this guy's getting blasted by Jay Glazer for his, like, yoga, golf, and yingling work, like, off-season regimen. Uh, that's, like, something I do. Yeah, but it would be one thing – Minus if, the yoga. If he was going into his second year, he's going into year 28. So he sort of has his – But I feel like you're – I feel like the older you are, the better – the like, I mean, in college – I could do whatever I want, and I felt great the next day. Now I feel like crap if I have a six-pack of beer. It would be truly shocking if we found out that Tom Brady's regimen was now Big Ben's regimen. Big Ben has been doing this for 20 years. And the most shocking thing about Big Ben isn't that he still has a belly. It's that his beard looks like he's he's uh, the Unabomber. That's what we found most surprising. You sound, you sound like the guy who's like, my grandfather's been eating bacon and eggs every morning for the past 15 years with his cigarette at breakfast, and he is perfectly healthy. Just shows you how life works. It's like, well, why were you saying that in 2018 when he looked like a tub of goo? Uh, I mean, he's always been chunky. That's my point. I, I, I guess I'm saying that he's recovering from major elbow surgery and like being it requires you literally just to sit there and drink beer. And what do you want him to do? Run on a treadmill while he's drinking beer? He's fine. He's a, he's a, he's not Tom Brady. He's not Drew Brees. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not even Philip Rivers. Sean, you're the only other objective Big Ben, uh, person here. Breach, obviously. I mean, he's wearing a, uh, Big Ben alma mater sweatshirt with no shirt on underneath, which is, you know what? Ben probably does that too. That's Thank probably you. where you learned it. Big Ben definitely does that. He definitely has like, he's like sitting in his house in like, like he's got Cheetos in his beard and he's wearing a, a zip up 10 year old Miami of Ohio sweatshirt. And his wife's like, you're not wearing a shirt under that. Are you? He's like, none of your business. Uh, Sean, what do you think about this Big Ben stuff? Cause I'm, I think I'm, you're, I think your point is well taken. Uh, I'm, I'm more concerned just about the elbow. Than I am about his weight, though, because to Ryan's point, he's been doing this for a while, and you're not going to like that I'm doing this, but I'm going to do it anyways. To quote the great Jay Cutler, if you play quarterback, you don't have to be in great cardiovascular shape. Well, I'm going to say this uh, so that Brinson doesn't chime in and make fun of Sean for bringing up Jay Cutler. Let's take Ben Roethlisberger out of the equation here. Mason Rudolph could start. The Steelers could go without a quarterback in this game. Daniel Jones hasn't proved that he can play well against a good defense. The Steelers have one of the best defenses in the NFL. We just have four quarters of the Giants being on offense and the Steelers being on defense. And I still think the Steelers would cover this game pretty easily. I mean, you look at when he went against good defenses last year, he played the Packers, three interceptions, QB rating under 50, played the Patriots, uh, Three interceptions, QB rating under 40. Anytime he played a good defense, he struggled. The Steelers are a good defense. I mean, whether or not Roethlisberger looks good or not, I don't see how the Giants are putting up more than like 13 points in this game. Yeah, and, and to Ryan's point, he mentioned how the analytics nerds will say defense has regressed, but the Steelers were such a good defense that they can't have the natural regression and still be a top five, top seven type of defense. It's just the turnovers that I think that are going to dry up. But when you look at this matchup, I don't think the turnovers are going to dry up in this matchup. Breach just read the stats, and let's not forget he's a fumbling machine, and he's going to be going up against the likes of T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. And he has a new coach and uh, Jason Garrett also on that staff. I'm just feeling real good else? about the Steelers' defense. And, and Freddie else? Kitchens. <laughs> I mean, I, I that's fine. I, I think the Giants would be I, – I, if you're going to give me a four-point Monday Night Football home dog in week one with the opposing quarterback coming off of an elbow injury, I'm going to take the points of the Giants all day long. I think Steelers is a sucker bet. And – um he hurt his elbow 10 months ago, though, once the season starts. It's not like he hurt it two weeks ago. 
That's fine. I'm just saying that, like, I don't, we don't know what we're going to, like, what if he, I mean, what if we don't have training camp? Then that's bad news for the Giants. The Steelers have been, they've been doing this for, he's been there since 2004. I don't, the offensive coordinator's been there. This is a whole new staff. Second year for Danny Dimes. Uh, Andrew Thomas hasn't played with anyone else. Uh, Nate Solder sucks still. <laughs> I mean, on and on it goes. Okay. All right. Um, you don't usually hear Ryan this confident in the Steelers, but here we are moving along to Breach's first pick. Who you got, Breach? My first pick is the Browns covering against the Baltimore Ravens. They're a nine and a half point underdog, which to me is a huge, huge, uh, just that, that's just gigantic. I'm surprised it's that big because of how well the Browns played against the Ravens last year. I mean, we all remember one of the most surprising games in 2019 was the Browns 40 to 25 went over Baltimore in week four. Uh, when Nick Chubb kind of went wild. And then in week 16, when the Browns weren't that good, they kind of got worse as the season went on. They were losing that game 24 to 15 until the Ravens scored in the final couple minutes to kind of with a garbage time touchdown. So the Browns played the Ravens tough. And the other thing I like about this game is that it's kind of reverse last season. When we're going to 2019, the Browns had all the hype and everyone expect them to trash the Titans in that week one game. And then they came out laid an egg, and Tennessee absolutely blew them out 43-13. Well, now the Browns are kind of flying under the radar. They have a new, way smarter coach uh, who I, I would think knows how to use his offensive weapons better than Freddie Kitchens knew how to use the Browns' offensive weapons. And I think they can play with the Ravens. I think they could even pull off the upset here. Uh, and I'm not ready to predict that, but I absolutely think they can cover nine and a half points. You know what's crazy is like we were pretty spot on about the Brown season and how it might start out, like the potential for a slow start. Sean wasn't. That's right. Sean was not. Sean was all over the Browns, picked him to win. Coach of the year, baby. You picked Freddie Kitchens for coach of the year. Like (laughs) I think someone else did too. Which Britson doesn't rag on him enough because Sean loves bringing up the Garrett Bradbury thing whenever he can. That's that's your blowback there, Brinson. I'm gonna bring it back. Debo, uh make a note in Sean's file. That we're gonna go and uh, we're gonna dig up that audio clip and just start playing it randomly, just just for like a rever- like a little like reverse layup situation. Uh, but like the Browns started two and six, and somehow one of those wins was against Baltimore with the forty to twenty five, as Breach points out in uh, in Baltimore. I I agree. I think this is uh, just too many points. I I think this is actually one of those games where. Um, if you're going to bet the Browns, you should bet them now. Even though the Ravens are popular, I cannot imagine that this stays up near 10 points for that long. I think it'll probably come back down closer to a touchdown. Uh, so you could potentially have a window there to, uh, to sneak something in where you get like six and nine, something like that. Um, I, I would, I would, I think the points here in a week one situation is a good way to go. Sean. Yeah, I agree with you. And by the up. way, oh, you want me to up? Well, usually Brent said reteased. We're trying to make it more of an organic conversation, Sean. But make it as awkward as possible there. <laughs> yes, uh, because it's very organic to just leave a huge pause. You're the, you're the, Freddy, you're the Freddy Kitchen. Oh, Reed, I... uh, Reed said something. I, I, I stepped up and said something too. And then the natural reaction on a four-man podcast is for one of you MFers to jump in and say something. Then why am I getting all the blame? Because your name is name. next on the rundown. Wilson was sleeping. <laughs> okay, I am following the breach school of thought, and I'm taking a big underdog um, on the road. I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals, and my reason for this is simple. I think the 49ers are going to win this game uh, by a touchdown or maybe three points. But if you look at what the Cardinals did a year ago when they were a worse football team, 9-4-2 and two against the spread as an underdog. Um, on four, sorry, five separate occasions, they were eight-point underdogs or more, and they only lost once, and, and they pushed once as well. This was a team that they would get down big early, but I think they have enough offensive firepower in the late stages of the game, maybe when the 49ers are wrestling some people or they you know take their foot off the gas, that they can put up a lot of points very quickly, especially now with DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't think the Cardinals are going to go in there and win, uh, but I do think they're going to be able to cover probably in a garbage-time fashion. And let's not forget the 49ers coming off the Super Bowl hangover, uh, you know, it, I don't think it'd be inconceivable if they started off slow after their season ended. But so I like the Cardinals to go in and cover, still lose, uh, but to be competitive. Yeah, I'll say that real quick that if there's one thing the 49ers defense struggled with last year, it was mobile quarterback. So I think that's a tough draw for them to get them in week one because they lost to Russell Wilson. They lost to Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray 
almost beat them twice. What That one loss last year to the 49ers was 28-25. The other one was 36-26, but that's because the 49ers scored on a fumble return for a touchdown, I think, on the last play of the game. So the final score should have been 30-26. to uh, So both of those games were really close. And so now that the, four, uh, the Cardinals, now you have DeAndre Hopkins in that offense, I think they've gotten much, much better. I was actually surprised that this point spread was up to nine points. Yeah, it feels high. I, I agree. And I honestly, at this point, what is this, May, June, July, August, four or five months out, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals won this game. I, I mean, you just don't yeah. know what these teams are going to look like, and the Cardinals on paper look great. And I know Brinson loves Kyler Murray in year two, and I think there's every reason to. Uh, do we think that the Cardinals bandwagon is going to be one of those? Like, like yeah. I sometimes, sometimes I can't tell if I'm on, like, like I'm like, like, Sometimes I can't tell if I'm on the bandwagon. You know what I mean? Like I like I think the car like I'm not, like I think the Cardinals and Bills are two teams. I haven't I'm, heard a lot of chit chat about the Cardinals being the team. Like okay. they're not the Browns, the 2017, 2018. I mean, I'm not trying. I mean, I'm not trying to be like, oh, this Jabroni picked the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl or anything. But you know, like I I I don't like to be on the popular bandwagons. I don't. Right. It's like the Browns last year. I don't. I have never. The Garrett Bradbury thing uh, proved that once again. Just- I will say that the Cardinals feel like a team like Jacksonville or Chargers that no matter how high their potential is for this season, there is no bandwagon. You know, people aren't just jumping on it to jump on it. So you're not going to have, uh, for instance, if you decide to pick the Cardinals in the Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure you'll be the only person in the media who does that. I, mean, I even I- even in 2008 when they played the Steelers in the Super Bowl, no one cared about the Cardinals. I know that was a long time ago now, but it wasn't like people were like, oh my God, the Cardinals, because that offense was explosive. Kurt Warner, I mean, they, were, they were really good with Carson Palmer too, man. It, yeah, I'm just, well, they went to the Super Bowl this time, but right, yeah, no, that's right. So yeah, Bruce Barrington was there with Carson. Yeah, no one cares. Carson Palmer was the runner-up MVP in 2015. But, yeah, I mean, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, then I, I love the Cardinals. And I think nine is way too much. The, this is another one I would take now. I think it gets down to under seven. They played them close or played them well at least twice. As Breach points out, they struggle with mobile quarterbacks, or Sean pointed out somebody. Um, and, like, don't – don't. I mean, I think we're sort of sleeping on this loss of DeForest Buckner. He's a really, really good player. Javon yeah, Kimball is they, awesome, but they got a cheaper version of him. We'll see. But it's week one. Once again, you don't know what happens in week one with all these young guys and people who aren't used to the I mean, I mean they still look they still have like D Ford and Bosa, Salva Thomas is there, Eric Armstead. I mean, they're loaded up front, but I mean Buckner is a big deal. Like mm-hmm. that's you know, you mop up offensive linemen with him and he's and he you know, creates a ton of pressure and stuffs the run. So who, who else is the running Kenyon Drake and who else is running back? Now that David Johnson's gone, do we know? Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think they drafted anyone. I can't remember if they did. Um, they did draft somebody. Hold on, I'll tell you who it was. It was uh, Eno Benjamin out of Arizona. State. Oh, right. Oh, so oh, that's a great pick in the back end of the draft. Yeah, yeah that's, good, that's a really good pick. Like seventh there. round. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Moving along, let's get to my pick. Um, by the way, I, I would have gone with the Cardinals as as one of my as one of my best bets, but Sean put it in there. That's just how strongly I feel about it. So if you, if you, if you're into the Cardinals, I say jump on it. Uh, I'm going to take the Panthers at a pick them. Uh, I think it's a little surprise that Carolina wasn't getting some points here and a little concern. Who are they playing? The Raiders at home. Oh, schedule was released yesterday. Man. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't tell that. And I would imagine that the viewer listeners aren't staring at the schedule. Like you just randomly name off a team and don't tell who the, the competitor is, but that's, that's a, actually a very good point, And I, my apologies. <laughs> I accept. Uh, I would be attempting to be a better host. Is that the first time Brenton has apologized on the podcast? It sounded sincere. Wait, I'll on, take on the podcast or in history. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I'm taking it. It counts. All right, go ahead. Right, it's it's ridiculous. Crazy. I'm like the Panth- take the Panthers. And we, I mean, like at some point you would have figured out it was the Raiders by talking about John Gruden and, uh, oh, the Panthers are now minus one. It's actually moved already from a pick them to minus one. So, uh, this podcast moving lines, they got ears on us. I, I just think that, uh, Oakland is a, okay, I'm, let me check myself here because we got a, some, somebody left a review somewhere like, they hate the Raiders. They're always talking bad about the Raiders. Um, maybe don't call them Oakland like you just did. Oh my God, they're Las Vegas. Oh yeah. So they're Las Vegas. <laughs> apologize uh, to Sean too. <laughs> and Oakland. I apologize. Uh, sorry, Oakland. Sorry, Raiders. Sorry, Las Vegas. I think that there is going to be a lot of stuff. Uh, like, I think the initial week for the Las Vegas Raiders as they move into a new home with this weird offseason and then to have, having to travel in the first week of the season all the way to Charlotte and to play a 1 p.m. game is going to wreck some havoc in terms of how they operate. 
Uh, Carolina put a lot of resources into its defense in the draft. I believe those players will make an impact and could create some problems for Derek Carr, who will be adjusting to a bunch of new receivers in a very complex offense in a, in a shortened offseason program. And I just think this is one where everybody will be on the Raiders. And it like I think you look at this game, you're like, Oakland's not favored? That's crazy. But I will absolutely take the Panthers here. I think they pull off the upset in week one and then probably you know, stumble into three or four more wins the rest of the year. Clearly, you didn't see Frank Caliendo's tweet where he was pretending to be all the coaches looking at the schedule, and he was John Gruden reading the schedule. Win, win, like he just kept up naming win, buy, win, sixteen and zero. I don't know. I, using your logic, you could also argue that the Panthers' offense, without Teddy Bridgewater being around, isn't going to know what's going on either. They have one player in that offense is Christian McCaffrey. I mean, they have well, one- Teddy. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater knows Joe Brady's scheme because they work the players, though. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, but I, well, I argue it would be that like the guys, the Carolina's weapons are perfect for Teddy Bridgewater because they're low AD, low A dot, uh, uh, yak monsters. Like just get it to Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey around the line of scrimmage and let them well, work. Using that logic, it should have worked for Kyle Allen too. Okay. I will say on, to, on Brinson's end that I am going to agree with him because of this point, and that's it, the Raiders are absolute trash when they play in the Eastern time zone. If there's one West Coast team, that you want to bet against when they go out east, it is absolutely the Raiders. And their past 25 games played in that 1 p.m., 10 a.m. slot in the eastern time zone. They are 5-25, and 25, uh, and it hasn't been much better since Gruden took over. They are 1-4, and four, uh, and they usually get thrashed. They lost 34-3 to three against the Jets last season. The Jets. The hey, Jets. Bro. What about – how does that look? Do you have any week one stats on that? Because They I mean- lost 30-16 to 16 to the Bengals. Uh, in 2018 with Gruden in Cincinnati, the Bengals. Week one? No, that was not week one. No, that's my question. Week one, because it might be different because they have the whole offseason to get to the East Coast as opposed to just two days. Yeah, but you're still training on – it's not like you're training out East. You still – if you're flying out there the day before, you still only have 24 hours to get your body used to uh, the three-hour time. My point is that they may not tra- – they may fly out there earlier if it's week one. That's what, what, like I mean. two weeks early? I'm just asking. It's a question that's, that's, it's a question worth getting an answer to. One, I hate doing this, but one more point in Brinson's defense for why the Panthers could win this game is I do think the Raiders are getting credit for a seven win season that we all agree they outperformed what they actually should have won with a bunch of one score wins. And the Panthers only won five games, but they, they were doing that with the backup quarterback. So I don't think they're as bad as their record indicates from a year ago. I think they're probably a little bit more equal than the, the two records from a year ago would, would indicate. They're the Raiders projected uh, as a 5.3 win team last year. And the Panthers expected win total is 5.1. Yeah. Uh, I'll take the Panthers at home. I'll take the Raiders. Okay. I'm, buying, I'm buying John Gruden. Plus, like I told you, Marcus Mariota is going to be starting. Does that change it if Mar- Mariota starts the game and he's healthy? No. Uh, I, this is not a Derek Carr agenda thing. Thank you. Uh, Wilson, your <laughs> next game. Dolphins. Going to Gillette Stadium to face the Tom Brady-less Patriots. I should be a voiceover guy. Uh, six and a half. The Dolphins are getting six and a half. Brinson doesn't think so, even though my voice is amaze balls, as the kids say. So, look, uh, the season ended uh, towards the end of last season. The Dolphins knocked the Patriots out of that first round, uh, that uh, number one spot in, in the playoffs there. I think Breach talked about that on the HQ show on Thursday, the live show. Uh, and we know that the Dolphins have a lot of success in South Florida against the Patriots, but I feel like they're going to have that same success or close to that success without Tom Brady in Gillette Stadium. Um, this ain't Adam Gase's Dolphins. This is Brian Flores' Dolphins, and that team seemed to, over the last half of last season, uh, come together. I think they won five of their last seven after that winless start, and even if it's Ryan um, Fitzpatrick starting, I feel pretty comfortable about this team. They drafted 27 guys on defense. Some of those guys are going to be able to contribute right away. They got uh, Byron Jones in the offseason. They got Kyle Van Noy in the offseason. They stocked up on all these guys. I think this Dolphins team, I don't know what their win total is, but it was a six and a half, I bet. Five and a half, I think. I'd like them to win at least six football games, and I think they could, um, even if they don't win, I think they're going to cover in Gillette Stadium, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they won that game. I It is uh, six, and the over is juiced. Wow, six. Okay, that's right on the money. Right, I I agree with your analysis. Like, if I had to pick, if I was picking every game, I would pick the Dolphins to go up there and cover. I don't like it as any one of my best bets, though. I I just think there's a little bit too much uncertainty around both teams. We just, we frankly have no idea 
what Jared Stidham is going to be like, assuming he's the starter. Um, and with the Dolphins, I assume it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick and not Tua. And Fitzpatrick is the biggest boom or bust quarterback. Like he could go out there and throw 350 yards and three touchdowns and they, and they beat them by 14 or he go out there and throw three interceptions. I'm Fitz- saying I agree the Dolphins oh, just are listen. cover, but Fitzpatrick in September is a Hall of Famer. It's the other month that he sucks. So this is perfect. All right, fair point. But uh, I just I think there's a little bit too much of an unknown for me if I were betting to put money on this game either way because I just don't know what Stidham is going to look like. Well, Wilson, the last time Fitzpatrick faced the Patriots in September, he threw three interceptions and the Dolphins lost forty three to nothing, uh, and that was way <laughs> back. That was that was all the way back in twenty nineteen. Rich Brinson was listening. He would play the dunk toad. Rich, correct me one more time and see what happens. So I'm just going to say Sean said that Fitzpatrick is the ultimate boomer bust quarterback and he almost always busts against the Patriots. He's three and 10 in 13 games. He's thrown 22 interceptions in those games. Uh, and if it is two out there, Belichick is eight and oh all time against quarterbacks making their first career start. Uh, it's, it seems like a lot of points, but I like the Patriots in this. All right, what's your answer for Josh Rosen there, tough guy? What if he plays? What, what, what are they uh, then, the, then the Patriots definitely cover. So, like, Breach actually just changed my mind. I would not take the Dolphins anymore. Oh, Breach is drunk. Good job, Breach. He's got the numbers. 22 interceptions. And He's like got the numbers. Nine... Got the numbers and no clothes on. How are you going to trust him? <laughs> He's a weirdo on the street corner yelling at the sky. Yeah, but then it ends up being correct. I'm the weirdo. Yelling yeah. last July, we're all going to be quarantined for two months, and everybody's like, "Dude, get out of here!" Yeah. And now we're quarantined for two months. Uh, if Tua, I, I think the Patriots are the play here. I do. I actually, if I was taking something out here, and I'll I'll talk about this. Uh, I think on our Friday show. I think. Here, let's make uh, a point to uh, remember this. Like, legitimately, uh, breach. You're in charge of remembering things. So you're good at it. So screenshot <laughs> this, and we'll come back and visit it. <laughs> this is your solution. <laughs> screenshot it. No, Reef remembers like who says what. Like if he knows who, who's, who our Super Bowl picks were like three years ago. So he'll Did remember. Just tell him to screenshot the podcast Snapchat segment. Snapchat this and we'll come back and Snapchat this, put a bookmark on it. And we'll come back and check oh. it out again in the fall. Hello, kids. I mean the run, I mean the rundown, dummies. I'm looking at the rundown. Screenshot it. Well, we don't want to do that yet, Ryan, because things change between now. If the Patriots sign Cam Newton, you know, obviously your opinion could change on this game. So there's still things. That could happen. I, I like the, I like the under in this game. I think it'll keep going down too. Um, I just don't see a way where two are. Was just shaking your head, Wilson. Why, why, you, What's you, the under? You're just like 43. talking half the story. Forty three. Jesus, I know that was my fault again. Forty three points. Okay, why do you like the under? Because I don't think I think both teams have very good secondaries. Neither team is going to be able to throw the ball very aggressively. Both teams will run the ball, and you won't see a ton of points scored. Well, Breach hates Ryan Fitzpatrick so much he thinks he's going to throw five interceptions. Fitzpatrick throwing pick sixes would be a red flag for me. <laughs> that uh, was how the it, Patriots last year would screw the under every single time as they'd scored so many defensive touchdowns. It'd be so annoying. Uh, Breach, give us your next pick. Uh, my next pick is the Packers covering three and a half points in Minnesota. The Packers are in a three and a half point underdog. Look, I'm as down on anyone as the Packers this season, and also I need to uh, make my obligatory remark that I picked the Packers to go to the NFC title game last year. You like this? Like I have wife, to make it. I have my to wife, make it. my wife makes fun of me. She's like, if I like, because I, you know, like, like in college, you're like, yeah, I scored a 36 on the ACC. She's like, you were in college 12 years ago. This pick was last season. That's a huge <laughs> difference. I don't it's not even the same boat. I'm saying like, like I was right, like riding on the coattails of something you did a year ago that wasn't even that great is what I'm talking about. Like picking oh, the Packers to go to the NFC title game wasn't that great. Did you do that? They I mean, went 13 and three, John. Yeah. I picked them to go to the NFC title game. I picked I mean, like nobody, nobody wants, nobody, nobody's like going around collecting like, all right, let's see whatever, who everybody picked for the NFC title game. Like, well, what, what? I'm just pointing saying, out that I was all over the Packers and, and so I'm reasoning why maybe someone should listen to somebody, me for somebody, my Packers advice here. Somebody, and also because he looked like their coach. That's a better reason. Thank you. Somebody, somebody back me up here and, and, and agree with the point that like, it's, it's like, it's uh, relevant. I, I told you the Bills are a wild card team. I knew it. Like, who gives a crap? Like, it's, if you get the well, Super Bowl winner, good, and you got it. Congratulations. He does you. NFC title team. Thank He's you. saying this because he doesn't want. He doesn't care about us. He doesn't like the backlash from Packers fans on Twitter. That's yeah. what. Uh, they're, not, 
They're old because they're coming out ever since the Jordan Love pick. They're they're really feisty right now. Nagos right. Nagos st- stirring the pot, getting all feisty. He is getting them feisty. Um, but what I will say is that I don't think either of these teams got a lot better this offseason. Uh, the Vikings lost quite a few defensive starters, and the Packers swept this series in 2019. So I just don't think there's a big enough difference that the Vikings should be favored by three and a half points. Uh, I'm going to take – so I just like Green Bay in this game. I think it's going to be a close game, probably decided by a field goal, and maybe Green Bay even wins. Because remember, these two teams had a huge game in Week 16 last year. Vikings fell on their face, and the Packers won 23-10. Uh, so you give me an opener, you give me Green Bay, you give me Aaron Rodgers on fire, playing with a chip on his shoulder, I'll take the Packers. I actually like the Packers too, but I, I think the Vikings have actually gotten better uh, this offseason. I think – Drafted or signed seven defensive backs, which was important. They drafted Justin Jefferson. I think Ezra Cleveland. Um, I think they also drafted Ezra Cleveland. I don't have it in front of me. So they got better. But I think the issue is, is Kirby Cousins, uh, which one is going to show up. Because we know Aaron Rodgers will be angry about something, um, probably having to throw the ball to Devontae Adams 50 times a game and no one else. But I think it is sort of disrespectful, that plus three and a half. And, and I, I actually think they win that game. Yeah, I, I think the Packers cover this game as well. And I agree with Ryan. I, I think the Vikings had a better offseason in terms of adding pa- talent than the Packers, but they are, they lost a lot of veterans and they replaced them with a lot of rookies. And I don't think those rookies are going to be ready necessarily in this type of offseason in week one. I think it's going to be a thing that they get better at over the course of the season. And the thing with, you know, Ryan also mentioned Kirk Cousins in the, in the, lack of confidence maybe we have in, have in him. I don't think it's because it's a big game necessarily. I just think it's because the Packers match up well against the Vikings in terms of being able to rush the passer and being able to affect Cousins back there in the pocket. And that's what Kirk Cousins struggles with if, is if you can uh, generate pressure without blitzing. And I think the, the Packers are going to be able to do that. And that's why I would have tr- not that much confidence in the Vikings being able to cover. Uh, I like the, I, I will say one factor here. We had Kenny White on the pick six, uh, podcast pregame show on HQ before the schedule came out. That's right. We did a pregame show for the schedule being released. Uh, we actually had more on air content than ESPN and NFL network did on, uh, on Thursday, which is something. Um, Kenny mentioned that the line, like what the lines might, what happen, what might happen with the lines if there are no fans in stadiums. The Vikings have a huge home field advantage. Like it's baked into most lines. Like that's why it's there. If this were being played in like a cornfield in Boise, it's probably a pickup. Like the Vikings aren't three points better than the Packers, right? So while I like the Vikings to win the game, I think there is inherently value in the Packers at plus three and a half because if there are no fans in that stadium, they're going to lose that home field advantage and the game should be a pickup. I think that's a good reason why uh, you, you should consider taking potentially some underdogs on the road that you think could win outright in week one if you are betting early uh, and you're sort of banking. Like, you don't want to bet on crappy teams to pull it off, but if you're betting on, like, decent teams like the Packers to do it, you may end up getting three plus points of value uh, if that line moves when they announce no fans will be in the stadiums if if they do go that route. Uh, Sean, what you what else you got for us? I have the Bucks. It's now at four and a half uh, plus four and a half against the Saints. When I originally wrote it down, it was at plus Sean five and a half. Wagner McLean mover. <laughs> I thought you were yelling at me because I wasn't really paying attention. I was like, oh crap, I wasn't supposed to give my next pick. Um, so I will I will still take the Bucks at four and a half. Um, and I understand the argument that why the Saints should be favored by that many points. The Bucks have a lot of new pieces in this offseason, and in theory, it'll take them a long time to gel. It, they have to go to New Orleans, which isn't an easy place to play. I just think the Bucks' defense, which is returning pretty much all of their players, is good enough to keep them in the game. And I do think maybe there comes a point where we do make too big of a deal out of the shortened off season and new pieces. It's just football. It's, you know, Tom Brady can throw the ball up to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He's been doing it long enough that I think that they will be able, maybe they don't have their entire offense at fully operational status in week one, but that offense I think is good enough, even without many reps to put up points. And I think the defense is better than the saints defense and they will be able to keep them in the game. And it, it really does come down to, I don't think Tom Brady this isn't a Super Bowl, but it's going to feel like that. His first game without the Patriots. And I don't think in a big game like that, you want to bet against Tom Brady. You want to bet against Drew Brees and Mike Thomas and Al Kamara in the Superdome? I'll take the Saints to win, but I think it's a field goal game. 
I'm fine with that. I, I do think it's a big deal that Tom Brady doesn't have time to work with the, all the new players. That's an issue. I mean, he's going to throw the ball to Gronk every time because otherwise, the, you know, there's some things that got to work out. The offensive line especially. I mean, that's the biggest one. They drafted – who they get? Tristan Wirfs, I think they traded to get him. So how's that going to fit in? So I think it all depends on when these guys come back. I think that is actually pretty important for teams with new quarterbacks more so than teams that have someone like – uh, a super healthy Ben Roethlisberger, or, or, or <laughs> been there forever. Yeah, I um, like the Buccaneers. That's all. That's yeah, all. I, I'll just—I mean, I'll just take the points. I just think, yeah, it's going to be a shootout, and I'd rather have the four and a half points. It's probably one where, you know, I mean, look, this sounds stupid, but it's probably going to come down to the last couple of possessions. I mean, or whoever has the ball last, honestly. Right. Like if Brady's down, you know, if Brady's down seven and marching and th- you know, throws a pick, probably not covered. But I mean, like I, I would, I would, I would be stunned if the, if the, if the Saints beat the Buccaneers by double digits and beat them handily for the entire duration of the game. Yeah. No one's saying that. Express four and a half. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> What is that? I didn't say anything to respond to when Brenton says he thinks they might, they won't lose. Well, I was waiting for Brenton to play the dunk on music. He just didn't, (laughs) he doesn't do it on himself. (laughs) I just don't think that there was dunking on. Like, I don't think it it wasn't. I was just responding. I don't, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be down like 14 points the whole game and you need some miracle cover. Like, I just think they're going to keep it close. By the way. Yeah. The saints last year, if I remember correctly, had a pretty big spread against the Texans and the Texans, covered in that game was 30-28. And then the year before, the Saints actually lost, I remember, to the Buccaneers uh, 48-40 to in week one. And that uh, was also at home. I'm not sure why we didn't remember this, but, um, and I'm going to have to. The Saints are horrible in September. Yep. The Saints stink in September. Okay. Stink. And now I can't, I don't have enough time to find it. Yeah, because, because. Two years ago, they lost to the Bucks, and then they barely beat the Browns, and then they barely beat the Falcons in overtime because I remember they were favored, I think, pretty big in all three games, and they didn't cover. Yeah, if you will keep talking, Sean, I will find out. Okay, and then last year, they barely beat the Texans, which fine, you know, Deshaun Watson, that's hard. And then they lost, they got killed by the Rams 27-9 to uh, the next week in week two. And real quick, I will say they're 2-7 and seven in their past nine openers. And you pointed out that Texans game last year, which very well could have been a loss. Uh, you know, then you're one and eight, and their only other win was against the Falcons, and that was 23-17, a six-point win. So literally, if you look at the past 10 years overall, uh, they also won a game in 2010, 14-9. They've won three times, and none of those wins have been by more than six points. Hey, Brick, how, are... do do? how did they do in Seattle last year? <laughs> they did not open against Seattle. So that's irrelevant, Ryan. They are, um, they are, I tried to play the dunk on music. I didn't have my computer volume up. They are four and six. I dunked on myself there accidentally. Four and six straight up and four and six against the spread in September games since 2015. Not good. They start slow for some weird reason. Uh, okay. I will go to my next game, the final game. Um, I'm going to take these, the Bengals plus three and a half at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. Kenny White laid out on the, on the podcast show on Thursday why he likes the Chargers under. Now, that's really interesting. Like, we haven't considered the idea that this lean on Tyrod Taylor and hope the defense is good and the run game works well um, plan might suck. Wait a second. You like the over is what you're saying? No, I like you- the Bengals plus three and a half at home against the Chargers. But you mentioned Kenny, so I, Kenny and the under. Kenny likes the under. On I the like the under as well. Win total. Yeah. I, what I'm saying is oh, that like our our pre our presupposition is that the Chargers are going to be good, like that they're going to like I, not have the mis- like it's like oh all right Rivers won't throw picks and they'll just be a good efficient team. What if what if th- their offensive line isn't good and they can't run the ball? And what if like Joey Bosa refuses to play? I, I don't. I, I just I, don't think- yeah. I, I, I was saying that I think they, I don't think they'll be terrible because I think that defense will be good, but I was saying that I think there's a decent chance that they will be not great and they will be mediocre. And we're going to be talking about if they should draft a quarterback because we did, we saw Justin Herbert for eight games and he didn't look good. That's why I was against the Herbert pick because I felt like we were going to, what do you mean stop it? We had the same thing with Josh Rosen. Um, no one thought that made sense. <laughs> no one was on the draft Kyler Murray train. 
everyone thought they should stick with Josh Rosen. Is right? that true? Am I misremembering? Mm-hmm. Did you want Kyler Murray? I thought it was pretty split. It was pretty no, split. I, w- I was saying right with, with Josh Rosen, but I feel like there were a lot of people that were split on it. I, I, I agreed that I, I, I think my stance was that you need to take Kyler Murray if you firmly believe that he is as good a quarterback prospect as, you know, worthy of a number one overall pick, but that I would personally rather have Josh Rosen and Nick Bosa. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think that was the prevailing feelings. I, I, I I, it was like seventy thirty. Yeah, that's fine. That's fair, fair enough. But here's the thing: I think this this Chargers team. I don't think the offense is going to be good. I think it's going to be boring as hell because that's what Tyra Taylor is. I think it could look like, you know, not to go back to it, but like sort of the Steelers' offense last year. We know you're not going to throw the ball, and when you do, it's going to be check downs and super boring comebacks, and then just run the ball a bunch, and and then let the defense do the heavy lifting. And I and I think I'm still confused. Though. Do you like the over or the under based on what you were talking about with Kenny? Because it didn't. It sounded like you like you didn't buy into Kenny's theory. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I think that I don't think I don't think you've heard anybody talking about the Chargers just collapsing, and like, oh. I, I think yeah. I, I I just think that they are that's in the realm of possibility. Yeah. They were sort of sort of being ignored. Yeah, I think partly because there's no way they're going to win that division, and they if they go eight and eight, I think that's a victory. Like okay. a, a, that would not be a victory for for that organization. Why not? I mean, it's them. The Broncos are supposed to be better. The Raiders could be okay if they go eight and eight. Anthony Lynn could get fired. Well, that's true, but like that eight and eight's not a collapse. They went five and eleven last season. That's sort of my point: is that everybody's kind of penciling them for nine wins. No, no one is. What's their over under total? I bet it's like seven and a half, eight. Because why would that? How's that team winning nine games in that division? Yeah, I think a lot of things we said this off season was that they needed to get a good quarterback in there because their defense was so good. They didn't do that, so I don't know that any of us are on the the Chargers train right now. Seven and a half. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Does anybody ask more open-ended questions that require like research more than Ryan Wilson? <laughs> You're the. What's their win total? I <laughs> he just wear glasses, us. making sure we're on our feet. Well, what's, the... The, what's the over/under? You're the gambling guy. I thought you had that stuff memorized. Um, all right, let's uh, move on to. Um, that was my final pick. Oh, uh, by the way, the Bengals. I like. I think the Bengals. I think the Bengals come out. I think Joe Burrow comes out hot. I agree with that. I think they. I think the Bengals surprise. Um, and I, I just think they shouldn't be underdogs in this game. It should be a pick 'em. Uh, Breach, you have quirky, uh, notes about the schedule. Tell us, uh, who's traveling the most miles, who's traveling the least miles. Well, with the travel miles, the Seahawks traveling the most at 29,203. And, uh, the Ravens. Where, where, where does that rank compared to previous years? Uh, well, we, we lost all the international games, so it's hard to compare that because usually the team at the top had 35, 36, 37. It was usually a West Coast team who went to London, so generally the Raiders. But now with the international games out, you can kind of get a feeling for how far these teams are re- really traveling. And the Seahawks are way higher than everyone. We have it listed. Uh, the Rams are in second with 26,104. The 49ers are third, 25,507. But both of those are going to go down probably under 25,000 because the Rams have already said they have a, a East Coast trip where they play two consecutive, uh, I think, the the Bills they're, they're and the in, Eagles. Uh, yep, yep. So they'll stay out uh, in the East Coast. So their number will go down. The 49ers have an East Coast trip in weeks two and three. So actually, they play at the same stadium. That's a scheduling quirk. They play MetLife Stadium weeks two and three. Uh, and also the Patriots play at SoFi Stadium five days apart out in L.A. Uh, in December. So literally – the Patriots got the easiest West Coast trip ever because they play a game on Sunday against the Chargers. Then they play a game on Thursday against the Rams. They get to go home. So that is, they get to kill two birds with one stone wow. or uh, feed two birds with one scone, as PETA would want me to say. So that is a little quirk that you have uh, two teams playing in the same stadium in consecutive weeks. And then back to the travel miles real quick, the Ravens at 6,310. They don't leave the Eastern time zone after week two. The furthest trip is against Houston, which is pretty interesting. Uh, a couple other things. We mentioned the Raiders off the top. They play six games that kick off at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific. That is the most ever for a team in the Pacific time zone. That is rough. Uh, the Saints and the Vikings, no Thursday game, so they don't have any. They have that Friday game, but that's late December. So you don't get stuck with that really, really four-day short week with zero turnaround, obviously you'd rather have a Friday game than a Thursday game because you do get an extra day of rest. Um, so that is a big one. And then also you have, I think, one thing that some people pay attention to is the rest days between opponents. So you look at 
the Kansas City Chiefs, for instance. They have uh, that week one game against the Texans. Then they get 10 days off before their second game. And then that second game is against the Chargers. Well, the Chargers play Sunday. They only get seven. So that's plus three days advantage the Chiefs have over their opponent. Well, if you look at the entire schedule, the Chiefs have plus 10 days advantage over their opponents, whereas the team that got the worst end of the stick was the Broncos, who have 13 less days of rest against their opponents. Uh, and those numbers were compiled by Lee Sharp on Twitter. So that's a huge difference, a huge discrepancy when you're talking about how much rest you get versus other teams. Uh, and there were only two teams in the NFL who are at a negative 10 days of rest against their opponents or more, and that is the Bengals and the Broncos. Uh, and then the Chiefs and Titans are the two that get the most rest. So uh, it's it's very interesting to see something like that because I do think rest plays a big part of it, especially when you have an old quarterback. Uh, you, you know, there's there's a lot of things that play into this. So those are a few quirks. I, in the was that really interesting? Because I, I found it pretty boring by the end there. Uh, <laughs> And you're the oldest guy. You would think you would need the rest, Ryan. I, right. I was actually about – I it was going to be two minutes. I didn't say it, but I was going to ask you guys. <laughs> how many miles do you think we could have traveled that entire time? Previously? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, then I'll end with a fun quirk. The Jets and Dolphins play each other in back-to-back games. Week 10, they play in Miami. By week and week 11, then they play each other in week 12. First time since 1991 that two teams have played back-to-back games against each other. Uh, uh, I, did, I did have a question, though, for real. Uh, the Seahawks typically, I would imagine, travel more miles than any other team in the continent U.S. just because they're so far up there. So would that mesh with what you write every year, John? Uh, I mean, it's not always the Seahawks. It just depends what division they're playing. If they're playing the AFC East, for instance, you know, they have to travel to Florida, which is the longest flight you can make in the NFL from Seattle down to South Florida. And so this year, obviously, they are playing the the uh, AFC East, so there's your long trips. If they were playing the AFC West, uh, then you might see another team with a higher amount of travel miles. One more thing, one more thing. Kudos to John for – look at Branson, relax. <laughs> it's not your turn to talk. Take a deep breath. Take a, I, I need you to take a deep breath and look at the clock and figure out what time it is and figure out the mm-hmm. way – If only we had started recording on time. I know. I wanted, I wanted to congratulate John for correctly saying that the Las Vegas was in the Pacific time zone because I was actually curious. He got that right. Way to go, John. Uh, by the way, fun fact, uh, as noted by my pal Will Newman, who t- uh, texted me this, um, the Ravens do not leave – I should probably double-check this, but do not leave the uh, eastern time zone – they don't leave EST after week two when they play at Houston. Thanks for interrupting me to, to make that fun fact. Well, thanks for interrupting Wilson to repeat something I just said six minutes ago. <laughs> because we're against the clock. <laughs> this is a new record of Brinson dunking on himself in one episode. Um, oh, what a big jam! Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll answer some mailbag questions. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I wanted to get the Ravens thing out there to sort of tease it out a little bit because everybody fell asleep while Breach was talking and nobody caught the Ravens thing. Well, you know what? That's I already said it. That's actually true. I didn't didn't know he said that. I didn't either. I was like, well, let me say this real quick. I think that Brinson should have some sort of electroshock therapy, and any time he repeats one of us, he has to shock himself. And it has to go up one volt higher for each time he does it in an episode. He'd that's be dead 25 minutes into the show. Okay. Is that, I'll let's, talk to someone at HR, see if that's legal. Let's get uh, to the mailbag questions. First, I'm going to read this one. I'm not 
condoning this behavior, Joe from Indy. This is reprehensible, inexcusable, and frankly disgusting that you did this, but I have to you know, acknowledge it so you'll switch it to a five-star. The host, Will Brinson, normally leads the show in all the wrong directions. They're still one of the better football podcasts I listen to. Not sure what that says about the other ones I found. Yesterday, Will let Pete give dating advice for 15 minutes. We are suffering enough with the global pandemic. If Will calls out this review on the pod, I will change to a five-star and buy him a beer. If you ever get sent to Indianapolis, again, change it, Joe. Mark it down, bro. Uh, and also while we're here from Bassin 44, just watch the podcast live because you can watch us on CBS Sports HQ for the first time and saw the Macaulay helmet on Will's shelf. Had no idea he went to Macaulay too, even after listening for a long time. We'll give Macaulay a shout out on the next pod. Shout out Big Blue. Uh, also where, uh, saw where you went for a chapel talk a few years ago. That is true. I talked about Matthew Stafford after I graduated in 2014, but hell yeah, you were my favorite in the show even before I knew that. Oh, boom. You'll love to see it. So we're reading questions from viewers turned into a, uh, make Brinson feel better about himself session at the extent. Yeah, also, by that way, that guy who was dissing Brinson, the great little burden there was if he ever gets sent to Indianapolis again, because that, no, no, that was, never happened. Yeah. Right, it was, it was a combine show. It was beautiful. It was a, it's like I, I appreciate that when when listeners get the nuggets and they like it's the like the levitar thing. You get the show. Um, okay, this is from uh, F Cunningham out in Great Britain back in May. How many games will the Dolphins win this year? Will Devonte Parker be as good as he was last year? I'll let you take this, Ryan. How many games are they going to win? Well, I think they're going to beat the Patriots week one. Jaguars will win that game. Chargers, Brinson doesn't like them, so they can win that game. That's three. The Jets, four. Can they beat the Bengals, Breach, in yeah. Miami? No. Yes. They'll be favored. All right. I think five or six wins. Did you just walk yourself into a nine-win season for the Dolphins? No, they have a pretty tough schedule. I think six – I'll give them six or seven wins. Seven would be awesome, I think. I don't know if, if Dolphins fans would feel that way, given the, how strong they finished last year. But right now, four or five months out, seven wins feels like a, a pretty good deal. Maybe that becomes much – I would love to see him win nine games. I don't know right now if I can convince myself looking at the schedule of that. Uh, that, that's, that's a, that would be a good season, I think, for uh, Brian Flores. We will touch more on the Dolphins tomorrow with R.J. White as we sort of dive in on these team-by-team things. Uh, this is from Luke773 via Apple Podcast. Awesome show. Love the show, especially the ones with the Super Friends on. I do have a question. What's with all the Stafford hate? He was playing at a legitimate MVP level before the injury. Bring in Swift and Galladay. Shout out St. Rita. Becoming a true number one. Some were saying to draft a QB at three, which is crazy to me. Thanks, guys. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think he's just saying Stafford hate in general, not our. I think Stafford. we like Stafford, don't we? I, I love Matt. Stafford. I was going to say I was ranking the quarterbacks every single week because Will Brunson gave up that post because it was too much work and I had to do it. And I am, had, I, am I am I wrong? It, it takes like eight hours. I swear it to is God, all, it is awful. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. it is just awful. By the way, Brunson, Brunson, um, hold up. Just Kenny Galladay went to St. Rita High School, so there you go. Yeah. This, uh, up until he got hurt, though, I was ranking him in the top five pretty consistently every single week, and he was playing at that level. It, it's telling that the Lions won three games last year. They won all three with Stafford. They went three, four, and one with Stafford. And if the advanced metrics painted him as a top five, top ten quarterback for sure, on pace to throw for 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns, I think he was, he was incredible. And it's funny how the narrative has shifted. Uh, remember when Jim Bob Cooper got there and they made him throw the ball short a lot and – you know, a lot of us bought in like, oh, he fixed Matthew Stafford because he's not throwing interceptions anymore. It turns out, though, that wasn't a great strategy because you're, his biggest asset is his arm. And to take that away from him doesn't really make that much sense. And Daryl Bevel, who's come under a lot of criticism ever since that Super Bowl with the Seahawks, um, I think deserves a ton of credit for letting Stafford be Stafford and just trusting that the touchdowns and yards will offset some of the mistakes he makes with his accuracy. I, I think they could win the division if he plays 16 games. Stop it. This division's not good. Every team got worse. You know what else isn't good? The Lions. They won three games last year. You know when they were good? Back to back nine and seven seasons with <laughs> Mr. Caldwell. I could see, I could definitely see us in October and Ryan's like, I'm sort of buying in. I'm at Patricia this time. I did guys. that last year after three games. I was I all- know. I know. I like them as a, what are, Brent and I'm pulling Ryan. What are their odds to win the division? Cause uh, I think eight, they make eight, eight and a half to one. Good lord. 
Like, I don't like betting on anyone in that division to win, except maybe the Lions is just that long. Eight, eight, eight and a half is a pretty, is a, is, is long for division odds. I mean, just for context, okay. but the, the Bengals are 30 to one, which is insane. This is on William Hill. Uh, but like the Jags are 12 to one to win the AFC South. What are the, what are the Chargers? The Chargers are 10 to one. That's insane, actually. That's throwing away money. <laughs> no, Brenton likes it. They're not winning that division. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I said it's throwing away money. Ten, ten to one is longer than it should be, but I I wouldn't take it. I think. What's that bet you made on on Thursday night that I was I should have taken the one I wanted to take? That was another crazy bet. You just throw money. Trent Williams, comeback player of the year. Award. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's just not that crazy. <laughs> it's ins- that, that's a nutty bet. It, I am going to literally jump in my car and drive to Syracuse. Okay, and on. I'm going to drag you out into your driveway. Lower your goal and dunk on you if Trip wins. I will let you do that. I will sit in a chair and you can dunk over my head and you can uh, Greg Paulus film it. We will film it. I will Paulus me if that happens. Yes, I, and I yes, that's right. You will be teabagged. Um, but, uh, we, the thing is, it ain't happening. Okay. Boom. Um, <laughs> Debo, now Debo's and Debo's dunking over me in slack. Unbelievable. <laughs> so Debo uh, puts in a little slack. The National Football League Comeback Player of the Year award list. Debo's response: Lots of offensive tackles on this list. <laughs> Um, narrator, there were no offensive tackles on this list. Okay. All right. I, I just don't think it's, I think at 140 to one, it's pretty good odds. Moving along, we're not moving <laughs> along, sticking with the, the lions in a sense. Uh, this is from, uh, what's the pick on Apple podcast? Awesome show. DeAndre Swift question. He says, sorry for the long question coming. Disclaimer. I'm a lifelong diehard UGA fan, so I need an outside opinion. I, like many UGA fans, were, was praying for DeAndre Swift to go to the Chiefs. I'm extremely disappointed to see in him going to the Lions as I don't see them as an offense that will fully take advantage of his skill set. Am I right about that? My main question is this. Did Kansas City underrate Swift as a pass-catching back just because UGA's offense was terrible and bland and didn't throw him the ball enough and get him in space enough and overrate Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because he played in the best offense in college football history? Um and he goes on to point out that, you know, if you switch to him, maybe Swift ends up having a better season and Edwards Hilaire struggles a little bit in Georgia's offense. Uh, again, thanks guys. Y'all are awesome. Hilarious. I love the show. I don't think that's a crazy notion. And DeAndre Swift is awesome. I think Swift will be good in, in Detroit though. Like carry on Johnson could have been good. If he stayed healthy, he would have been like, he would have had successful seasons and that offensive line has to improve. But yeah, I mean, obviously. Uh, you know, it's not as good a situation as landing in, um, the Kansas City. Wilson, do, how do you think as a draft, as our junior draft analyst, how does, uh, Swift and, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire compare in terms of pass catching, et cetera? They're both great out of the backfield. And I think one of the tipping points perhaps is that, and, uh, Andy Reid was convinced after seeing Edwards Hilaire that he was better than Brian Westbrook. And of course he had a history with Brian Westbrook and had a lot of success with him in Philly. And maybe that was the difference, but I think either way, and when we did these mock drafts. Well, I think Edwards Hilaire is like more of a true, like Andy Reid. I'm not really going to run the ball that much out of pro he runs, sets. He runs hard uh, when he does run the yeah, ball. But you know what I'm saying? Like he's going to run him out of shotgun. He's going to run him out right. of pistol. And he's, he's, he's not going to line up in an eye formation and pound Clyde, Clyde Edwards Hilaire downfield. He's going to get him in space. And if DeAndre Swift was in the LSU offense, he'd have just as much success. Sure. Uh, the difference as what's the pick points out is that Jake Fromm wasn't great and, and he didn't have a great 2019 season. And that probably put more burden on, on Swift to do more things and defenses knew, knew that was coming. Okay. Uh, Sean, any thoughts on that? You want to keep moving? Let's keep moving. Okay. Great show. Mac Macy Taylor says, uh, Macy Taylor with an eye roll on the, on the username. That's interesting. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kyler Murray and a potential second year breakout? Mm. Uh, you know, I'm here for it. Love Kyler Murray. Uh, he will be my MVP pick. I think I already bet on an MVP 25 to one. Um, I think the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs. I think it'd be really good. And I think when you see what Kyler Murray did last year, I mean, this guy has, incredible deep ball placement incredible and he's only going to get better with an extra year in cliff kingsbury system there's not going to be a huge mix-up in terms of coordinators and all that i I think kyler's set for a a monster year and the one thing i'll say about that real quick is if they can upset the 49ers in that week one game the cardinals have one of the most manageable schedules in the nfl week two they get the redskins then the lions then the panthers then the jets i mean those are all very winnable games and it wouldn't be crazy to see them start off five and oh once you get there uh you know the five and oh is that record where you're almost a lock for the playoffs and their win total is six and a half by the way Oh, that seems like an easy over. 
especially, I mean, they have to play the Patriots Rams, but then like their final four. I mean, the Rams might not be good. This Rams logo is bothering me, by the way. On these I think the Rams are going to be pretty good. Okay. Uh, just for the draft class, Giants, Eagles, 49ers again. I mean, there's, there's, there's seven wins on the schedule. I think the Cardinals are going to go nine and seven. I can see that. Maybe 10 six. And Kyler's just a monster. I don't think you think a player on a nine and seven team is going to win MVP. I, I just have their floor. I mean, I don't want to say their floor is nine and seven because obviously they could go seven to nine, but I mean, I, by the way, speaking of um, Kyler being really good, I want to point this out quickly because we had a, a debate last week about the strength of schedule, trying to figure out the best way to do it. PFF Moo, I don't know what his real name is, but he works for the Royal <laughs> Uh Tweeted this out. That's disdain. What's wrong? PFF Moo. Moo. <laughs> no, I'm just saying his name, M-O-O, just so if you're trying to find him on the Twitter machines. Anyway, he tweeted this out, and I thought it made a lot of sense on, on Friday. Here's an easy flow chart with a very good method to determine strength of schedule. Make a list of starting quarterbacks of a team's opponent, are they mostly good? Tough schedule. Are they mostly bad? <laughs> Easy schedule. And actually, that seems to be a pretty good way to go about it. It's, a, it's actually a great point. Wasn't there somebody last year who was like, we were looking at like, man, they played a ton of good quarterbacks. Maybe even the Chargers. Or like, Chargers had a tough season. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Uh, finally, I've got a question. This is from also, why are all the names taken on Apple Podcasts? Okay. Uh, great pod. Keep up the great work. I was wondering who y'all thought was going to win the AFC East. Are we I feel like, yeah, I feel like we're all on the same page with this one, surprisingly, because it is... The Jets! No, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone but the Jets. I uh, think the Bills. I might pick the Jets to win it. Oh, boy. What's the order there? Are you get the odds still open on the AFC East? I always have the odds open, Wilson. So, yes, you can ask me anything. And by the way, if, if you ask a question open-ended like that, you know, I'm going to get a slack alert from Debo within 30 seconds. Within like three seconds. Less than 30, yeah, I was going to say. So the Bills. Um, Good. Uh, the Patriots are even money. Bills what? plus 140. Jets, uh, seven to one. Dolphins, seven to one. I think, well, I like the Bills. You may be wavering on the Jets, but I think Sean and Breach are also on the Bills train. Is that right? Yeah, on the Bills train. I'm I mean, little- if you're looking at the odds, like, I don't mind the Jets at seven to one. Like, yes. But if I'm, if you're just asking who I think will win, I think it's the Bills. I mean, I, I'll say this in terms of the odds. I think the Jets are the best value, but I might say the Patriots are the best value because, man, even money for the New England Patriots to win the division. And the Bills hype train is a little, it's scaring me a little bit. Well, I thought the hype train after the year I th- was scaring me and I thought they, they were a team that was going to regress, but I think what they did in the offseason, specifically yeah, getting Stefan Diggs, exactly. That was before I saw what they did in the offseason. Now, now that I see that, now I'm fully on board for them winning the AFC. You got AJ Panessa, they got Zach Moss, who I think is to be a really good running back. And, and, you know who else they added? Oh, Jakey from. Oh no. Oh who? Oh, AJ Klein. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't get the Jake Fromm thing. We gotta get out of here. We got a video show to go do. You can watch it all next week, all this week, four to five Eastern on CBS Sports HQ. We will be diving deeper tomorrow into the AFC East with RJ White. Subscribe, rate, and review. If you got a mailbag question, we'll be doing mailbag Mondays moving forward. So you can uh, leave that question. We will answer it for you. Thanks and talk to you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.